to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in the space. Wait, you always do one, two, three, and now you're doing three, two, one. I'm changing things up for 2019. All right, then. Hey, welcome to 2019. Happy <laughs> New Year. Where were you on New Year's Eve, Paul? I was with my grandchild. My son-in-law's a firefighter, and he was on duty, so he has to work oh, a 24-hour wow. shift. So the wife and I went down to my daughter's house, and we hung out with the grandbaby and and uh, went to bed well before midnight. <laughs> did your daughter just leave and go party? Because that's what I did if my parents came around on New Year's Eve to look after my kids. So No, so the, the baby just in the last week has started sleeping through the night. So oh, wow, at, that's ba- great. Back then, yeah, back then she was still kind of sleep deprived, so. Yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. know those, none of those feelings. She's, my daughter's come back to that as well, so. Yeah. I, um, yeah. I had a New Year's resolution to stop drinking Coca-Cola. And for anyone that knows me in the office or has worked with me in the past, I do drink probably too much. I mean, a can a day I would consider is too much. And uh, I had stopped, but then my daughter regressed sleeping patterns. And so now I'm having to drink Coke as caffeine because I don't drink tea or coffee, which I know is unusual for Brit not to drink tea or coffee, but that is what it is. So I had seen a blurb on uh, the morning news here yesterday or the day before that that was the day when New Year's resolutions will either stick or have already been abandoned was this week. <laughs> so oh, really? It Sorry. seems that you fit right in the pattern. <laughs> I'm glad I'm normal. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I was the same. I was surrounded by parents with young kids and was pretty much the only one drinking in the entire group. So it was probably well, – it was fun to be around my daughter and my wife, but it was a bit miserable that it wasn't the typical New Year's Eve that I used to get up to in my heyday. Yeah, I never found the the allure to being one of many stupid people. Well, I did the stupid people thing twice in New York, and I will never be that stupid person again because that is just too cold. Yeah. It's much more pleasant to watch that on TV. I would agree. I would totally agree with that. Anyway. So moving swiftly on, happy new everyone. (laughs) And um, there's been a fair bit of news. So do you want to start to start one off today? Yeah, first thing I found was uh, an update from the Microsoft Graph team, or specifically the uh, Exchange slash Outlook team, is that they've made some changes to the lifetime for subscriptions in the webhook notifications. Um, the, uh, the the well, sorry, brain got too far ahead of the tongue there, right? Um, what they're doing basically is kind of uh, doing based on use cases is they're, they're adjusting these lifetimes. And it used to be 72 hours, I think, is what it was before. Um, but what they've done now is is that lifetime stays the same, but more specifically, as the graph has moved into other areas around devices with Intune and so on, if a user changes their password or if a managed device is marked as non-compliant, the subscriptions may be affected as well. So uh, the key takeaway here, of course, is that uh, you should um, be monitoring your service that's accepting Books and if you don't see any activity, you might want to do some investigation. So, uh, interesting little tidbit that if you're counting on that service, it's it's going to change. Yeah, there's a big scenario there, which was essentially that if for whatever reason the user gets banned, blocked, they've been walked from the building and told <laughs> to take their box of their personal items and go. Uh, that there was a risk that the subscription would fire after that fact that would, you know, essentially allow some information. In most cases, we um, have lightweight webhooks where it's just the ID of the item that has had an event happen that then you have to call back into the graph to do, at which point, you know, you're going to need an access token to do that. But... um, with the rich webhooks that we've kind of talked about so that you actually get back the chat message from Teams as well as the ID of the chat message, uh, this work needs to be done to make sure that we're not providing too much information over those things considering that, you know, the all overarching account for that user is basically invalid at that point in time. Yep, good to know that uh, someone's keeping an eye on the data and it's not just being scattered willy-nilly, so 
it's a good thing. But again, if you're a developer using that technology, you've got to be aware that the change is coming. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, there's guidance on in our docs on the best ways to do that and how to store these things and how to you know keep resubscribing to them once they expire. And so, um, yeah, it's just a, the time frame difference is going to be out there. Yeah. How about you? Any news uh, from your side? Um, well, we actually had a community call at the beginning of the month. Um, it wasn't on New Year's Day. Where there was quite a few people that joined, and um, I was having a good chat with them on Teams because we're now hosted in the Microsoft Teams platform for our calls. And so the chat kind of persists as a constant channel. Once you've been to one of the meetings, you can still see it. So there's a bunch of people, you know, is this on? Is this on? It's, like, it's New Year's Day, everybody. Like, the community call is not on. Um, and so we did it the Thursday, a few days afterwards. And um, we had some really good content around how to build Alexa skills uh, with Azure Functions backed uh, calls to the Microsoft Graph uh, by Matteo uh, Pagini or Pagani. Um, and he is um, a PFE-ish field engineer. Sorry, I'm, it, there is a difference to what he does. But, um, I'm going to just use Pitfi and stick with it for now. Um, but he's in the field and he's super technical and it's a really, really good demo. So if you have Alexa at home, like we do, and I know it is spreading more rife in Europe now and um, my, my parents have it in Australia. So it, it, before I was assuming because we had it in Seattle that everyone had it, but that, you know, reminded me of the days where everything came out in America first and you had to fly here to get certain things. So I have already become that American that doesn't appreciate those things coming earlier. Although movies come first in Australia now because the time zones go figure. Anyway, on that tangent, um, the Alexa stuff is really cool and it's super really easy with Azure Functions to get that going. Uh, he did one where he was checking the OneDrive quota, but you know, just imagine all the scenarios you could do um, Alexa actually has built-in support to read you mail from Office 365 and the calendar, um, and it does use the graph to do that. Um, I actually was talking to them this week uh, here in Redmond, and uh, but it's just nice to see that it is that easy to go do those extensibility things with the Alexa skills kit and the graph and Azure Functions. So that was on the community course. I definitely encourage checking that out. Um, the technology-averse member of my household got a, a, an Echo Dot for Christmas and immediately looked at me and said, this is never getting used. <laughs> so, so it's now in my office. So uh, just, yeah, oh, I've been is? kicking around a little bit. Yeah, so... Alexa, tell me a joke. Alexa, turn all the you lights off. You realize I'm wearing headphones and the Alexa can't hear me. Uh, okay, so everyone <laughs> listening is going to be annoyed by that. Oh, there it is. I don't know if you can hear it, but oh, when I there reply, it goes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, I, I have a, a, a bit of news now. We, we're going to swing from the masses who are using Amazon Echo powered products to the six people who care. But there has been uh, a, a great article written by um, uh, Brock Allen around uh, same site cookies and using ASP.NET Core external authentication. Uh, the, if you have users who are trying to log into an Azure AD backed service on a Safari browser and they get into some continuous loop of not being able to log in. Brock has done some digging around and has a, a workaround. Uh, well, there is, a, there is a workaround which basically says turn off the high security cookie bit, but he's actually done some more work. And so that's a great link we'll put out there for those who are running into this issue where on my iPad, I can no longer log into a service. And, and a customer of mine actually ran into this problem before. Uh, could, once we, we migrated their application to use Azure AD for logins, it, it broke us on Safari. So it's a great article. Again, if you come across the issue, it's it's a lifesaver and it's a little bit better. Brock Allen, for those who don't know, Brock Allen and Dominic Baer wrote the Identity Server open source uh, token management application, if you will. It's kind of like an ADFS uh, competitor, if you will, or a complementary product. So these guys know what they're talking about. And so it's a great, great resolution to that issue. For the six people that use Safari. 
Well, how many people have an iPad, right? So I would think that. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I hadn't considered that. Yeah, I think I think the it impact is very, people who understand or care about the problem is small, but the people who can be affected can be rather large. So. Yeah, likely it's the non-technical people that don't realize there's other browsers and just use. It, yeah, whatever. Safari on there. Yeah, right. Devices. It, it, I, it's still the I I use it just obviously as a developer I use it because I want to make sure what's on there. But yeah, it, when you turn on the machine, yeah. it's the default setting though, even on the iPhone as well. So. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, so there we go. And then um, in completely unrelated news, um, for all those that were worried about Microsoft acquiring GitHub and destroying it and shutting it down, um, I think the New Year's kind of surprise was is that they announced that you now can have three unlimited private repos uh, for up to three users, I believe, um, inside of GitHub, which is really, really good. There's so many scenarios where, um, you know, you've got small projects like that and you want to be able to make them so that you can share them with you know, one or two colleagues. And so having that announced at the beginning of the year was great just to kind of show that there was enough demand there from the community asking for this that they actually carved out time and dedicated resources to go ship that thing. And I'm assuming that wasn't straightforward. Uh, there was a bunch of people on Twitter that were either PMs or direct dev, dev engineers on it that were kind of really celebrating that, that the quick turnaround they had on that. So it must have been a decision that was made right before and they've shipped it and got it out there, which is great. Yeah, so for private repos were available on GitHub in the past if you paid a subscription. Yeah. So uh, they weren't building it from scratch, but it certainly is uh, a good good move. And and, yeah. and for those who have an MSDN subscription, you do get Visual Studio Team services or via visualstudio.com, whatever the name is these days. You can get private repos on there, which are ideal for, for folks in your... Azure AD. Azure DevOps. Yeah, yeah. Um, th uh, thank you. Is that the, yes, uh, right, Azure DevOps, right? So, and this is uh, obviously the GitHub is not, is for those who are maybe uh, aren't uh, fully invested in the Azure Active Directory world. So it's a great option for, for those people who want to do some work but not share it with the whole world for whatever reason. Secret squirrel stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, but um, yeah, that was pretty cool news. The, um, I mean, obviously, we do pretty much everything in the open, and there's some new things that are appearing in the Microsoft Graph organization that, if you care to be nosy, um, we're, we're working on for a variety of different reasons. And Daryl Miller, who's a peer of mine in the Graph org, I was like, how, how comes it's not private? And he goes, well, why should it be private? Like, let's just see whether people want to get engaged and have a look and contribute to it. So I was like, oh, okay. So, um, hint Easter egg trail challenge. Approved. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So interesting that you you mentioned Daryl uh, when he first started. He, you and I talked about how he did a blog post, and I remarked how it's a great blog post, but it didn't say anything. And then when I actually met Daryl in person at Ignite, he mentioned that to me. So somehow he found out. But I'm going to say this in public this time. Hey, I haven't seen anything Daryl write anything since then. So I'm, I'm expecting to see some more information. It would be great. <laughs> He, well, we, to be fair, there is a whole GitHub repo in the Microsoft Graph org, which is all about the direction of the SDK and he, all of his architectural design documents on how we're splitting the SDK up so that you can essentially, I'll use his words, fill the onion of the SDK and like not use our request builder, but you can basically put in whatever request builder you've built or maybe the native one that comes with .NET or, um, you know, there's a bunch of bit different things you can kind of pull out, rip out and use your own things or use alternatives rather than kind of where our SDK uh, was, where it was kind of like use all of, all of it or none of it. And, and so he's kind of doing all that architectural design in the open on GitHub. But I did tell him that, you know, things like that are quite hard to see on GitHub and that we, he should probably do like a monthly update of what's happening on the SDKs. Yeah, the, the and I would also say he's been thinking out loud, which is great if, if you're watching. Right. So I've subscribed to the that repo and have seen all the issues and comments as they co as they happen so it's easy to follow along so that that's great so i you know i tease them but but there has been a lot of stuff done there and there's a new version of the sdk that came out this week this is the middle of january version 1.13 i believe uh, i think there was an issue that might have crept in uh 
again, if you're following the repo, you'd see the notifications. But this is a somewhat substantial release in the sense that 1.12 came out, I want to say November, maybe. So it's been almost three months and the graph service itself has changed a lot. So a lot of the the model classes that you might want for like Teams Win GA. So a lot of things changed as part of that. And so you need to update your SDK at least to get the all the models or all the entities that exist in the graph. So it's certainly worth getting. And the stuff that we're doing here at Addins 365, we weren't using the AP, the SDK because when at the beginning it wasn't really there. But I'm that concept you're talking about peeling the onion has been perfect because we do have a a, a, a a services class that's make has all the URLs already set up, and I don't have to rip that out to use the new and improved model classes. It's easy enough to just say I make my REST call the way I've been doing it, and I can still deserialize into the classes that the SDK is providing. So it's great work. And and even though Daryl hasn't written a blog post, the, the work has certainly been helpful. Um, so thank you very much for that. Yeah, it's interesting. We had our VP review this week and I think it's the first VP review I've done, I think. Maybe I did one. I've just forgotten about it. But um, part of it was reporting back on the SDK and what we're doing there. And, you know, we've been listening to you guys for a while now around, you know, why you weren't using it. And that was probably one of the biggest things. Um, the other thing, obviously, is beta support, which is coming really, really soon. So you'll have a, a beta SDK that you can use to get at all the beta endpoints rather than kind of doing your V1 stuff against the SDK and your beta stuff against the rest endpoint. But um, the other thing that they've been doing is using Azure DevOps actually to do continuous integration to build the SDK, which you may think, oh, wow, we haven't had that before, but we really hadn't. And um, part of that now is is that every week, I think it's on a Friday, a new metadata definition is dropped once everything's gone through the API Council and new services have been approved or new additions to the service have been approved. And as soon as that metadata file is dropped with the new definition of what the V1 API is and soon beta API, we'll actually generate a new SDK. So we're just working out how we're going to do that in terms of having kind of major and minor versions based on those changes. So hopefully that will help with people that are, you know, waiting for an API to come out and then instantly wanting to see the SDK reflect those changes. And so that work's been kind of our primary focus since Daryl and I came on is to kind of streamline all that and get it all working across .NET, but also the, all the other SDKs as well. So keep your feedback coming and definitely keep an eye out on Daryl's GitHub repo around the SDK design as well. Yeah, that's good. And, and it's important, I think, as people start using this and provide some feedback, just because the graph, the Microsoft graph has, I think, has gotten bigger than one person can keep in their head anymore. I, I ran across something on the team side, that the way they're doing some work with uh, related entities that uses an OData, part of the OData spec that has never been used in Microsoft Graph before. And actually, when I pinged Daryl, he's like, oh, that's something I wanted to look into. I guess I have to do it faster than I thought. So uh, again, being able, using the, these tools or at least looking at them and getting the feedback into you guys is certainly going to help all of us. And and so keep it up, certainly. And and thanks to you and to Daryl for all the work that you're doing. It, it, I can see some definite improvements in the, just in the, in the months since Ignite. That's so great. Yeah, there's mainly old Daryl, but um, on the SDK side. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's been great to see that improvement, which is awesome. And and those guys are all primarily here in Redmond, in the neighbourhood across the hallway here. So, um, you know, we're always able to chat at lunch if I speak to partners or you know MVPs or people on Twitter and stuff um, to get that feedback directly to them as they're doing their day to day, and they're really reactive, which is great. <laughs> Um, and so the one, one last thing was um, there was a there's a bunch of community calls like the graph one that I mentioned earlier on, but also Microsoft Teams has a community call which obviously is relevant to the graph. But one thing that was uh, something that was close to me because I helped launch the Azure Bot service when it came out when I was in marketing in my first kind of stint at Microsoft, and they have released the Microsoft Bot framework for. V4, I think is the right way to say it. And uh, essentially they walk through how to build a bot for Microsoft Teams with the bot framework V4. 
Um, and so if you are interested in bots and haven't had a play, that is a really good call to go watch um, from PMs that are actually building that product to get a bit of an idea around that. Uh, have you played much with V4? Yeah, so I'm actually um, uh, working all day every day on the bot framework version 4. Have not gone in depth with the Microsoft Teams specific capabilities just yet, but the good news yeah. is I haven't needed to, so I've probably gone through three quarters of our product, uh, our, our bot interface and, and haven't needed to go too deep into the Microsoft Teams specific stuff. And as a developer at an ISV, that's great, right? I don't want to don't want to lock myself in. So um, the the bot framework service is great. Um, those six identity folks who I was talking to earlier, I don't uh, using the bot Azure bot service. I don't need to do. I, it's very simple to get a, a token from the bot framework that applies to my custom measure AD backed web service. So it, yeah. it's it's a great accelerator for in that regards too. So uh, yeah, but it, uh, I'm liking it. The um, It's a little bit different. If you did any work on V3 with the dialogue framework, it, it's different. I don't know that there's still some warts, uh, you know, I, well, maybe, maybe it's just my three decades old bad practices that are being exposed as part of the V4, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so it, it's good. I, I would say there's a little gap in the documentation and samples. Well, I shouldn't say sample. There, there's, a, there's probably a hundred samples out there that do little snippets in the bot framework thing there. So, but there again, it, it's only been out for a short time. So there's still some gaps in the documentation and, uh, I've been posting on those as, as much as I can, but yeah, it worked out pretty well. So have you had any other partners who are, uh, in V4? Um, there were, no, I, well, we've talked to a few. Again, it seems to be early days with bots still. Um, you know, there's the usual things. There, there's a ton of work going on internally, uh, which I think in the build timeframes will be showcased where I think we're getting closer to having, you know, like genuine use cases that, that aren't just kind of throw an existing business process into a bot and talk to a bot as opposed to use a mouse and a browser interface. Um, I mean, for me, bot-wise, uh, the the voice stuff that Alexa does is is certainly, for me, uh, part of my day-to-day -day life now where I'd prefer to just tell Alexa to turn my lights on off or play music. But um, from a business perspective, I think those kind of things are still being worked out. I mean, I ask it my calendar every morning. It reads me, you know, when my first meetings are and tells me I have seven hours of meetings every day. But um, then that's super useful sometimes as I'm getting ready. But um, I still think there's a way to go from a business process perspective. But with the framework V4 stuff, I think they've made some of the challenges of V3 a lot easier. So yeah, get, definitely check that video out because I think if you're not being asked already to go look at these things and build prototypes, I, I suspect this is a year uh, where you're going to be asked. It was certainly a lot of bars all of 2018, but I think you know it's still going to continue into 2019 for sure. It, absolutely, and if I'm, I'm going to, since I've taken liberties on the podcast before, I'm going to do it again. There's uh, Victor Villain and Wes Hackett and Susie Dean and myself have done a launched a podcast called the New Habits Podcast, in which we're talking about teams development and just the, the one that we recorded a couple of weeks ago that'll be shipping very soon. It talks about bots more from a business perspective, and I think it's worthwhile. It, it was certainly worthwhile for me as a developer to just listen to the thoughts and the ideas that people have. Victor obviously works at a very large enterprise, and Susie's not technical at all. So it, I agree with you. It's going to be in 2019, I think we're going to start seeing some people who need to do some bot work. and are, It's certainly going to – I wouldn't say it's going to take over the whole world like the hype says it will, but it certainly is going to get some traction, I think, in the coming years. So if you want to get a non-technical perspective, we'll certainly do that. Yeah, I, I actually miss doing that with my from the Hyperfish podcast that I used to do, where it was like non-dev. It was very much more high level. So um, I have already added that podcast. I didn't find out from you that you were doing another podcast. I found out through the interwebs, which I was like, "Man, he's cheating on me already." And we're only like <laughs> six months into this damn show. Well, I was I was voluntold to participate and do the <laughs> yeah, editing, the, so. <laughs> and do the editing as well. And, wow. and well, I haven't. For your punishment, you can edit this one down. Uh, there we go. Yeah, so if you're listening to this and it sounds like crap, it's all Paul's fault. And if it sounds great, it's because Jeremy had to help me. So, <laughs> yeah. And I certainly wasn't on the interwebs to 
telling you about this thing here. So I've, I, I launched Twitter the other day because of a hockey game and was way behind. Well, enjoy the show. Um, you and Bill Ayers, and we're already way over. So let's just jump straight in. That's great. And uh, chat next week. Hello, I'm here with Bill Ayers today. How are you today, Bill? I'm great. Thanks, Paul. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for coming on. Can you, uh, for those who don't know you, can you give us a little intro about who you are and what you do? Yep. So um, I'm really mainly do development uh, around Office 365, generally, SharePoint in particular. My background's in engineering. And then around the turn of the century, somehow I kind of drifted into web development and then SharePoint 2003 and then with Moss, when it the 2006 beta, I started actually doing development on top of SharePoint, and I've been doing that ever since. But we've sort of moved more into more general Office 365 areas as a whole. And uh, I did the MCM for SharePoint 2010. Uh, that was uh, pretty intense, and. Uh, I'm a office development MVP, so that's uh, that's where I am at the moment. Uh, that's great, and uh, you're one of a small group of the office development MVPs. I know There's, originally there was maybe yeah. six or eight of them that's bumped up now. So that's all. That's I think it's about forty now. Is that right? I, I know that I don't know the exact numbers, but I know that there was a push to get more of the developers recategorized, if you will, uh, which is which is nice. And so uh, you, you and I met uh, many years ago uh, doing some presentation work over in the United Kingdom. But uh, the, this most recently, we were together uh, at the Live 360 conference in Orlando. Uh, so how was your week in Orlando? I love going to Orlando in winter as uh, uh Lovely warm weather. It's like it's like our summer. I don't know about you, but uh, you know it's something I look forward to. I've done this particular conference, Live 360 in Orlando, for most of the last six or seven years. I think I missed a couple, and uh, yeah, it's something I really look forward to. Just because of the weather, but also it's uh, it's one of these multi-track conferences, so you get to talk to people who are doing Visual Studio and SQL, and uh, this year they had an AI track as well, which was really interesting. So you get to talk to a lot of different people in different disciplines, as well as the office d- development and uh, IT pro side. And I like that it was considerably less than the 40,000 people at Ignite that you, you took in Belize. So that, I find right. that kind of nice. Yeah. 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 You do get to see people more than once and, and you can find people, which is nice. Yeah. It's a nice size. Uh, crazily enough, though, I couldn't find you on the day, the, the one day I had time to record. So that's why we're doing this later. It's always okay. the way, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what were your sessions uh, at the conference? So I did um, an overview of the Office 365 dev platform. Uh, That was the first one I did. Um, So that's quite a broad topic. Uh, Nowadays, an overview of Office 365 development is is probably not something you can fit into an hour and a quarter session anymore. But I tried uh, as best I could. Uh, Then drilled down on a a talk on the Microsoft Graph, which was sort of an introduction to the graph and the reason it's there and the thinking behind it. Uh, And then uh, more specifically, I did a third session, which was for using Microsoft Graph inside the SharePoint framework with the MS Graph client uh, object. And so I'd like to just cover a little bit. I know you said the, the office development all up is, is a rather large topic, but what, what do you see as the, the highlights or, the, or the, the most interesting aspects of developing for office in general? Well, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's the one place that you can make a huge difference to a business because, you know, people, particularly growing businesses, they start off with a, some sort of manual process. And you can sort of tell it when you when you go into an office and uh, people are sort of rolling their eyes and say, oh, I have to log into this system and copy this text into this spreadsheet and then uh, you know, copy paste it into this other thing. And then I write it down on a sheet of paper and give it to somebody else because these business processes have um, kind of evolved as businesses have grown and 
a lot of the Office 365 development stack, and particularly things like Office add-ins, uh, give you a great opportunity to make a huge amount of difference to a business and uh, you know make people's lives a lot easier. Uh, sometimes even with you know without requiring too much coding effort to do it. So I think it's a great opportunity to improve the life of of business people. Uh, Without uh, without too much effort, and I think we're just scratching the surface, really, because as we then bring in some of the things in Office, uh, in the Microsoft Graph, where you've got things like uh, uh, insights, you can you know the limits really are imagination what we can do with that, and then perhaps even pulling in things like cognitive services to get very ambitious. You know, we can start to really. Um, analyze what people are doing and what the business is doing and I, you know I think the the possibilities are just wide open for what we could do as the technology matures to to make people's business lives a lot easier so, so on that maturation point I, I can remember being involved with organizations and trying to automate those processes and of course back in the day it was either macros or or office com add-ins what is that story like today do you still find the issues of trying to deploy dlls all over the world the organization or or synchronized versions what's that story like today in your opinion well i think it's a lot better so uh you know uh so particularly Office, you mentioned the COM add-ins, and then there was a, another model. Well, there have been a few models over the macros, COM add-ins, uh, Visto, which is was the, so the, the, the last but one technology for b- building extensions into the Office clients. And of course, the drawback there is uh, they had to be deployed. They were, they were DLLs, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's .NET code. And... Uh, uh, you know that that's not cross-platform, but now our office clients are running uh, on devices like Android phones and iPhones and iOS devices, and also you know, a lot of people are using the office applications through the web. You know what we used to call WAC, the uh, the web interface, of, uh, and uh, the the. Using the old-fashioned, the sort of the Visto add-ins, for example, that's Visual Studio tools for Office. Uh, they weren't cross-platform, but these new web add-ins are, and so uh, you've got the the ability to use these pretty much wherever you can run the Office clients. Now the story isn't complete yet. Uh, there are a few gaps in the matrix to uh, that need to be filled in of you know what will work on in which situation on which, which platform but it's it's getting there and so we've got a, a technology that can can work everywhere and then there's uh, some good deployment stories around it for for example automated deployment of the more central deployment of these office add-ins and, and I would imagine that's probably the key to success, at least in most organizations. If I can't use a group policy or some type of uh, automated process, it's never going to happen, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be. It's got to be there for users. So yeah, ideally, you want it to be just installed. You, but the um, the way the Office Store works, and uh, the, the you know the the experience for an end user to acquire one of these add-ins is actually pretty straightforward. So I don't think it's beyond them. You know, if they can install an app on their uh, phone, then I think they can install an add-in in in Word or Excel or PowerPoint. Which is very good news, right? I I, I can imagine. Uh I, I would have even less hair than I do now if I was trying to struggle with that back in the day. So that's good. Yes. And, yeah. And so uh, the second session you talked about was uh, introduction to the Microsoft Graph. And and so what does that mean to you when someone says, "What is the Microsoft Graph?" What what is your introductory story? Yeah. Well, I usually start by explaining why why it's called the graph because uh, you know when people talk about graphs they start thinking about bar charts so you know this is a this is actually a mathematical concept from discrete mathematics which is how you describe these non-hierarchical relations between different objects and, and all the connections between them 
And, you know, that's, you know, real life is like that. And uh, the things that we're trying to model in, in businesses are, do tend to be not organized into neat tables and uh, relational tables and things like that. They're, they're just sort of people with all kinds of random connections to each other and uh, connections to documents and assets that are that are stored on the system. Uh, so the uh, a graph is the correct uh, data model um, for that kind of the, the, the sort of very complex relationships between different different objects. Uh, so that's really why it's uh, called the Microsoft Graph because it uh, that's the model that that underlies it. And then you can do things like you can traverse a graph, which means you kind of stepping from one node to another and kind of uh, picking your way across the you know. Going from the node that's me to the node that's my manager, and then going to my manager's documents, and you know, all constrained, obviously, by the uh, the permissions that that you have, but but giving you a way of of finding things and retrieving information and uh, and analyzing it. <laughs> And so what does that mean for a developer? I mean, what do you, or, or I guess I, what I'm getting at is, so what kind of techniques do you, do you show developers as part of this introductory or how we get started? Well, of course, the, the beauty of, of the, the graph is, the Microsoft graph is that it's using, it's a REST API and uh, we've had those before. So we've got a SharePoint REST API, for example, uh, but it's, you know, over time, as these REST and OData standards have matured, you know, all these different APIs have got slightly out of sync with the current standards. So the Microsoft Graph gives them an opportunity to uh, have a, a more consistent API that where everything works the same, it's the same endpoint, you can use the same token. So it makes it a, a lot easier for a developer to work against the Microsoft Graph API than some of the numerous underlying REST or other APIs that that, that, that Graph API is wrapping. So it's really making it a lot easier to, to develop against the Office 365 platform as a whole with a, a nice single unified endpoint to talk to. Yeah, and one thing that is, uh, and I don't, I don't mean this as a criticism, but it's more than that nowadays, right? The the entire Microsoft 365 platform is there. The, there's been some updates to the Intune uh, API, which now or or what they're called devices inside the graph. So uh, obviously that's maybe uh, not as widespread use, I would imagine, but it's still there nonetheless. So that's pretty pretty helpful. Yeah, it's interesting that that more and more parts of Microsoft and and yes you're quite right that the, we should really talk about Microsoft 365 rather than Office 365 except then we have to explain what Microsoft 365 <laughs> is <laughs> uh, yeah so. yeah you know it was I did I did like that back in the day it was a, a kind of a discreet application oh uh, Office 365 or, or SharePoint what people understood what you did but I, I had someone before heard about Microsoft 365 and and in their scenario it was the the Windows 10 updates and I'm like, ah, right. you know, I really yeah. can't help yeah. you with that right yeah. so yeah well I, I when I first saw Microsoft 365 I thought it was a typo in the, <laughs> in the whatever so I thought what's this uh, oh they mean clearly Office 365 but no uh, it's uh, it's it's brought together the, the, all this, the, the um, uh, EMS and um, that's right, isn't it? EMS um, mobile services, isn't it? And uh, Windows 10 and brought those uh, under one umbrella. And it's interesting, yeah, to see uh, a lot of other groups in Microsoft are saying that we want to be part of the Microsoft graph. You know, it's the Clearly, the uh, the cool place to be, if you know, is to to have whatever API you want to surface uh, as being part of the Microsoft graph, because it just makes it a whole lot easier. And Microsoft yeah. 365 matches the name Microsoft Graph, so that was lucky, wasn't it? They didn't yeah. have to change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm not so sure if the if the teams are volunteering to come into the graph or if they're being voluntold to do it. But I'm, <laughs> I'm certainly happy. I, I certainly love having a single place to at least start. 
with digging, right? That uh, certainly helps me in what I'm doing. It and, makes and it a lot easier. Yeah, and so and so the other thing I, I, I or what I like about about your your session topics that you just went through is now this this last one was more of a using the graph in, in a certain technology around SharePoint. So this is a somewhat new capability for the SharePoint framework, right? Uh, yes. So I mean, we could always talk to the Microsoft graph, but you'd have to do a lot more of the work of, uh, you know, handling the rest calls. So with the this uh, MS Graph client, it makes it a lot easier because you just call that. And then what that actually gives you is then access to the, uh, the API that the Microsoft Graph team have written, or the, the wrapper JavaScript API. And They've created many APIs for different languages, but there is a, uh, a JavaScript one. And so inside the, your SharePoint framework code, once you've set that up, you just, uh, it makes it very easy to call the, uh, the REST endpoint using this wrapper API without having to uh, individually construct all the, uh, the REST calls using low-level techniques like, uh, uh, say, an XHR request. Uh, the, you just, just call this this uh, this wrapper API. Now, it's not, I've got to say, it's uh, not quite as convenient as the uh, PNPJS wrapper library. So there is a capability in there as well. Uh, so it does... It, you do then still have to create the the string that represents the endpoint that you're calling, and uh, you know, I think in an ideal world, you know, you'd, you'd have something even more, more strongly typed. But what comes back is strongly typed, and so that gives you a lot more help when you're in uh, most likely Visual Studio Code. Uh, you'll be able to see when you you know, hit the dot on some object, it'll present you with a set of choices to pick from rather than you have to remember, you know, which, uh, uh, which object to call off that, that endpoint and so on. So it's uh, somewhat fitting that we're doing this this recording on a day. There's a new version of the uh, Microsoft Graph SDK for .NET released today. And so have you have you done other uh, graph work and other tools with SDK outside of uh, SharePoint? You know, the, the, what's the strangest thing is uh, I do very little C-sharp development nowadays, and I seem to spend most of my time in JavaScript, whether I'm writing for SharePoint or I'm building office add-ins or I'm uh, building a mobile application. I seem to, seem to have ended up in, in JavaScript. And who would have seen that coming, Paul, about 10 years ago? <laughs> I, 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 I'm resisting as much as I can. As much as I can, absolutely, yeah. So, But no, and that makes sense, you know. And so uh, the, the uh, for, for example, the work I'm doing in the last couple of weeks is, is .NET related because it's server-side stuff. So that SDK, you know, has been been lacking a little bit, which is nice to get up there. But I can certainly, I, I'm not going to fault the team. I mean, I, most people are doing JavaScript or TypeScript type codes, and that stuff has has been around for some time. So that's that's kind of helpful, I think. Hey, but uh, you know, if you're doing server side work, nobody says it has to be C sharp. You can do that in JavaScript as well. <laughs> yeah, but after the, all these years, it's so hard for me to change. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can no, JavaScript's imagine. taking over everything. So, yeah, I mean, uh, the support for Node actually is excellent in uh, Azure. So, you know, if you a lot of these uh, things you you fire up, you find the you know that says, "Would you like to write this in uh, .NET and C Sharp, or you know, click this other button and we'll." set you up a template in uh, in node yeah that, that's right so so that kind of begs the question right so outside of, of conferences I, I presume you have a day job that you get to so what are the what kind of tasks or what kind of platforms are you working on for most of the time I spend uh, on the development side I do, do a bit of teaching as well but when I'm developing I'm as I say tend to be mostly in JavaScript and I'm, I'm either writing things using SharePoint framework or I'm in doing office add-ins or uh, you know, I do a, um, 
quite a bit of mobile development as well. And there I kind of go against the grain a little bit. I, I still use uh, Apache Cordova as the framework for mobile development. It's not the sort of uh, the most uh, popular or the trendiest choice at the moment. Uh, most people are switching to either Xamarin or, or particularly React Native. But, uh, you know, they're, uh, uh, I, I, the type of application that I'm writing, it, the, uh, the HTML5 hybrid approach seems to be good enough. And, uh, and, and I would imagine most users of the application don't care, right? As long as it gets the job done, I presume. That's right. They don't, they don't care what it's written in. Uh, so the only issue is if the, if the performance is poor. And uh, uh, I found that you know, as long as you're reasonably careful about the way you, you write these things and uh, uh, use a, a bit of care, then uh, the performance is, is adequate. Now, I do use React a lot, uh, which is, a, I hesitate to say, a, a framework. It's more of a sort of a view engine. And uh, uh, you know, that's, that can be made to be very performant as, as long as you set it up right. You know, there's, there are plenty of bear traps for the unwary, but if you're careful, you can make a, you know, a perfectly adequately performing mobile application using HTML5 hybrid approach. You know, and I, it's interesting you say you React, right? Because the SharePoint framework is built upon React as well, right? So I would imagine most folks who have been around for a while in in the office space or the SharePoint space, this is new to them as well, right? So, um, yeah, well, there's so much is is new over the last few years, isn't it? I mean, yeah. um, uh, but yeah, um, well, they're using React in. Uh, SharePoint in the the modern pages, so it's it's kind of there, isn't it? So uh, other things being e equal, then it's a bit of a no-brainer to use React as your view framework. Uh, now I can understand if you'd spent the last few years doing, say, Angular development, then you might want to stick with Angular, and and you can do that. But uh, uh, there's a, a another tool, which is the um, Office UI Fabric is uh, has a set and primarily a set of React components to to use that, and that then again, you know, once you've mastered that, you can use it in SharePoint framework development or in uh, Office add-in development, which is kind of what it, the Office UI Fabric I think was originally built for, and. Uh, You've got all these components, ready-built components that you can start using, and there's uh, some third-party or uh, community-written uh, components in uh, on GitHub that you can use as well. So you know, you you've, gives you an immediate head start with React. If you if you're using React, you can just reuse all these components, and I imagine that'll continue to improve. Yes, in fact, I saw the Office UI Fabric folks at Ignite back in September, and and they are moving the fabric stuff, if you will, into the new Fluent design pattern. So ideally, yeah. that uh, that'd be nice as well. So, uh, is there any uh, interesting or useful scenarios around the graph or the Office add-ins that, that you've come across that you'd like to share? Well, yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things you know, I I, I still have a a, uh, a Windows phone. <laughs> that's that's so, right, and we um, always ask you every year, well, you still got that thing in, you keep chugging. Well, I've still right? got the Windows phone, yeah. Um, and uh, the screen's gone wrong on it now, actually, but not. luckily, I do have a backup uh, phone. Well, I have about 10 backup phones, so it's going to be a long time. They'll all have to fail uh, before I finally relinquish it. The, uh, but the, uh, I found that the, uh, the Teams... Uh, the Teams client doesn't work in Windows Phone. <laughs> so I, I could end up having to write one at this rate. Uh, well, there you so go. That would be, you know, be a good example of a, um, you know, people who are still using Windows Phone and want to use Teams, you know, could uh, uh, quickly <laughs> put together a mobile application that use, uses, naturally uses the Microsoft graph to talk to Teams and uh, uh, render. So that, that's, 
that's probably something I'm going to have to spend a bit of time on. I did start looking at it. So uh, if you write that, you have to come back on the podcast and tell us about I've, that experience. That would be uh, certainly fun to talk about. That's one of the interesting things about being a Windows Phone user is, uh, you know, if you want an app, you've got to write it yourself, basically. <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's great. So uh, what's, ne- what's next for you, Bill? What, what kind of things have you got coming up on the horizon? So uh, next week, uh, so that's um, last week of January. Uh, so probably it'll be in the past by the time you hear this. Uh, I'm going to the Ignite tour in uh, Tel Aviv. So I uh, haven't been to Israel before, so... Quite looking forward to that, and um, then we've got a few more conference coming up. Co- conferences coming up. There's the uh, European Collaboration Summit in Wiesbaden in May. There's also the SharePoint, the return of the SharePoint conference in uh, also in May in Las Vegas. So looking forward to that. Just going to be like uh, the the good old days of uh, the SharePoint conference. So that's going to be fun. Um, and uh, there's the Ignite Tour London and there's probably about half a dozen other conferences and SharePoint Saturdays and things that I've forgotten about. So, <laughs> and that's <laughs> that's on top of everything else. And, and where can, uh, I presume you here on social medias, how can folks find you with questions or, or see where you're going to be to meet in person? Sure, yeah. Uh, so I've got a um, what I laughingly call my blog, it's, uh, which is on sp doctor dot com. So sp doctor dot com. Uh, that's my blog site. It's not really a blog. It's just a collection of articles and things, which I you know do do when I get a chance to. I don't not a very prolific blog. I'm kind of working on that. Uh, and then my Twitter account is at SP Doctor. Well, that's excellent. Thanks again for coming on today. And uh, it's always great to, to catch up and, and hear how other folks are using Microsoft Graph stuff. And I look forward to seeing you. I, I'll be at those events in May as well. So we'll certainly hang excellent. out again then. Yeah. Look forward to seeing you then. All right. See you, Paul. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. That's all, folks. 